Good morning, everybody. Great to see you in the house today. Hey, get your Bible and open it up with me uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's one right at your seat. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 is where we're going to be uh, this morning. And we are in our series called Issues, where we're looking through the book of 1 Corinthians at all these issues that were taking place in that church and still take place uh, still today. Uh, you know, today in, in, uh, in our church, in fact, just after this, uh, these first three services that we have, uh, we're going to have a parent dedication uh, service over in our kids' building. These are for families that have just had newborns, and this is just the way that our kids' ministry really loves on them, encourages them. They get to have a table, and there are all their families around, and just to be encouraged together. It's a really, really sweet, sweet time uh, in the life of our church. And we do that because we believe that we want to lead every generation. Our mission is to lead every generation to know and follow Jesus. But it got me thinking about parenting uh, since that's going on today. And, and parenting's not easy. Would you agree with that? Uh, parenting's not easy. It's not easy. I, re I remember when our first baby girl was born and uh, I remember pulling the car around and Liz was getting into the car and the nurses were helping and they put the baby in the back seat and strapped her in and we pulled out and then we looked at each other like, there's no one from the hospital going home with us. <laughs> we're on our own. I mean, we don't even know what we're doing. And uh, I don't know if you've experienced that, but I'm like, wow. Yeah, it's, we still feel like we don't know what we're doing uh, so much of the time. But there's a lot to it. I mean, you got you to gotta, you gotta parent them physically. You've got to make sure that they're eating right and they're physically healthy and they're seeing the doctor and anticipating any problem they might have there. And you got to make sure they're growing uh, relationally and, and emotionally and academically. You're a tutor, you know, when they get into school. I mean, you're just, it, just, it just keeps going, right? But a big part of parenting is what I call spiritual parenting. And that is not only that you're fulfilling all those other things, but you're also speaking in to your child's life. So I'm going to talk today about spiritual parenting 101. Spiritual parenting. Now, what do I mean? Let me give you a little definition. Uh, spiritual parenting uh, has a primary definition of a parent investing in their children spiritually so that they come to know and follow Jesus. Or maybe you're a grandparent and you're in that season of life where you're helping your grandchildren even to know and follow Jesus. But spiritual parenting doesn't just stop with your own family. It extends into the church family. And, and anytime you are investing in someone else spiritually, you are spiritual parenting them. All right. So if you are a connect group leader, then you are a spiritual parent. If you are discipling somebody through a grow group, you're a spiritual parent. If you are sharing the gospel with somebody, you're a spiritual parent. If you're mentoring somebody, you're a spiritual parent. If you're, uh, if you're ministering in some area in the church, you're a spiritual parent. If you're overseeing areas of ministry, you're a spiritual parent. If you're a leader in the church, you're a spiritual parent. So spiritual parenting is either you've got kids, grandkids, or you're ministering in the church in some way, in some capacity, you're a spiritual parent. So hands up right now, hands up if you're a spiritual parent. Just go ahead and raise up your hand. Go ahead. That should be most of us here today, all right? Yeah, so this message is for you. What does it mean to be a spiritual parent? You know, the Apostle Paul saw himself as a parent to this church in Corinth. In fact, if you look at verse 
14, chapter 4, verse 14, he said, I'm not writing to you this to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. For you have countless instructors in Christ, but you don't have many fathers, for I have become your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Now, this was an urban church plant. They were young. The Apostle Paul is the one that started the church. He probably led to Christ most of the people there, or at least through his preaching that came to faith in Jesus. So he said, yeah, you got a lot of instructors, you got a lot of teachers, but you only got one daddy, all right? And I've, I've, been, I've been your spiritual daddy. I was there when you came to faith in Christ. I'm speaking to you, and as a young urban church, they were really being torn apart by a lot of things, and they needed a spiritual father to speak into them and to help them navigate through these issues and to not lose track of what God called them to do. We all need people like that in our life, don't we? Just somebody to speak into our life as a spiritual mother, spiritual father to us, to help us walk in a way that honors God. And so I want to talk today here about five characteristics of a spiritual parent. And if you are in any of that category I mentioned earlier, then this is how you can apply it uh, to your own life. Five characteristics of a spiritual parent. We're going to hit these uh, pretty quickly, so uh, listen fast. All right, here we go. Uh, number one, uh, a spiritual parent embraces their calling. A spiritual parent embraces their calling. Look at verse one. And this is the word of God. Amen? Amen. A person should think of us in this way as servants of Christ. Now stop right there for just a minute. Remember the church was arguing over leaders, right? There were some that were like, I'm team Paul, some I'm team Peter, some I'm team Apollos and others. And they were very divided. And so for four chapters, he's dealing with this. And he basically comes down to the end of it. He says, listen, if you want to think of us as something, don't think of us as celebrities. Think of us as servants. In fact, I want you to circle the word servant there. That's a really important word. There, there's multiple words for servant uh, in, the, in the New Testament. This particular one literally means third rower, third rower. That doesn't mean you sit on the third row in church, all right? Third rower, this, this really brings to mind uh, a ship during that time, all right? They had these big ships, and just like you go on a cruise and you can go look at the engine room, they didn't have those engines, so whenever that big ship needed to move forward, they, they took slaves, they took servants, they took people that were uh, in, maybe even incarcerated and they pushed them down into the third level and they had rows and they would literally row this massive ship. You may have seen movies that are like that where they got somebody with a big drum, you know, beating it and someone with a whip in their hand encouraging the people to row, right? And so that's what that means. I'm a third row. It's the lowest of the low. It was the invisible person that nobody saw at the top of the ship. They didn't see those people. They were down in the bottom of the ship. And he said, you want to think of us as something? Think of us like that. We're third rowers. We're invisible. We're down at the bottom. We're servants. Now, by the way, this is shocking uh, language, right? If you didn't really know the meaning of it, you think, okay, servant, that's cool. Servant leadership. No, 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 no. That's not what he's saying. 
He, he's giving a shocking statement. Why? Because there were some people in this church who were like, man, we're all that. We want to be, a, we want to be the servant now. We want to be the leader now. We want to be the ones in charge. We want to step up to leadership. We want to be on the pedestal of leadership. He's like, you guys don't even understand what you're talking about. Man, to be a spiritual leader, to be a pastor here, means you step down into leadership. You're not on a pedestal. You're maybe doing the invisible work that nobody sees. You're a servant of Jesus Christ. You're a servant. It's what Jesus said. In Mark 9, 35, we read, sitting down, he, that is Jesus, called the 12 and said to him, if anyone wants to be first, he must be the last and servant, there it is again, of all. Think about Jesus' ministry, washing people's feet, uh, caring for the poor, uh, touching the leprous. Uh, think about how Jesus uh, condescended himself. Philippians 2, he left the very nature of God and here he comes and takes on human form and becomes in the form of a servant, Philippians 2 says. This whole idea of serving is what it means to be a spiritual parent and a spiritual leader. Spiritual parents embrace uh, their calling to be a servant. But here's what I want you to see here. So, notice, circle these words, servants of Christ. See, not just serving for serving's sake, but they're servants of Christ. First and foremost, when you're serving, when you're a spiritual parent, yeah, you're serving this person, but you're really serving Jesus as you're serving this person, right? You're really serving Jesus as you do those invisible tasks, Right? Uh, it, let's put this in the church context. Maybe you're, you're ministering to people. Maybe you're a connect group leader. You're ministering and you're caring for people. You're investing your life in people and you're doing a lot of things that nobody sees and you're doing a lot of things that nobody really understands and that you carry a weight that nobody fully appreciates and you're not getting a standing ovation because you showed up and had your lesson ready. You're not getting a standing ovation because you went and visited those people in the hospital or you, you, you were on, the, on your knees with, uh, next to a couch with some because they're going through a grieving time. No, nobody's giving you a standing ovation. They don't see those things. They're invisible to them. He said, God sees. You're serving Christ when you're doing that. Same thing in your home. You know, you don't get a standing ovation. Your kids don't give you a standing ovation for doing the laundry, probably, right? Nobody says, gosh, dad, thanks for paying the bills this month. You know, they don't say that. Those, those things just happen, right? But here, here you are, you're serving. Now, here's the point. He's saying, when you do those things, you're not really looking for the applause of men. You're looking for the applause of God, right? God sees those things. God knows. And so you're serving Jesus. A spiritual parent understands, man, I'm serving Jesus as I serve others, you know, several years ago, I was given a, a framed a verse, basically. It's got a picture of a church in the background and this verse. And the verse is found in Hebrews uh, chapter 6, verse 10. Listen to these words. For God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you demonstrated for his name by serving the saints and by continuing to serve them. I just love that verse, and it's brought me a lot of encouragement over the years that God sees, and God doesn't forget. 
Every act of service in his name, God remembers. Every act of prayer, every act of sacrifice, every time you poured your heart into somebody or loved on somebody or stepped into a conflict and had to navigate this thing together. And and every time you did that, when you were being a spiritual parent and it was difficult to do that, God sees it and God rewards it and God will never, ever forget So spiritual parenting isn't something that is up on the platform necessarily. It's something that's often done in the invisible. It's a a servant role, all right? So a spiritual parent embraces their calling as a servant. Here's number two. A spiritual parent recognizes their responsibility. Back up to verse one. A person should think of us in this way as servants of Christ and managers of the mysteries of God. In this regard, it is required that a manager be found faithful. Now, notice the word manager there in verse 1 and again in verse 2. How many, how many of you, let's just kind of check this out for a minute. How many of you, your Bible says manager, raise your hand. All right. How many of you, your Bible says steward, raise your hand. Okay. How many of you don't know what verse we're on, raise your hand. Okay, yeah, all right, thank you. That's good. The, the word steward, manager is a great word. It literally means oikonomos. It, it means a, a, someone who manages a household, all right? Steward is a really good word. The word steward simply means I'm not an owner, but I, I report to the owner. I run the place, but it, I don't own it, all right? That's what a steward is. I, I, I run the place, but I don't own the place. I give an account to the owner, And so he said, you know what? You should think of us. Not only are we servants of God, but we are stewards, right? I'm responsible to God for what he's put in my hands. I'm responsible to God for the people he's given me to shepherd at the church. I'm responsible to God for the family that he's given me to shepherd as a parent. I'm responsible to God for what he's put in my hands. Now you say, well, what am I responsible to God for specifically? We'll look at it. Managers of, check this out, the mysteries of God. The mysteries of God. Now what is that? You know, I think there are two kinds of people in this whole world. There are puzzle people and there are non-puzzle people. I think you could divide all of humanity into those two. Uh, I am probably in the non-puzzle category, all right? Anybody in here that's a non-puzzle person? All right, thank you. There's my tribe right there. Uh, I get too frustrated and I don't have enough patience for that and I just kind of move on. Uh, but, but think about the gospel as, as like puzzle pieces. In the Old Testament, all the prophecies about the Messiah were like puzzle pieces that were dumped out on the table. Okay, and they look at this one and this talks about where he's gonna be born. And this one talks about uh, what family he's he's going to be a part of and this one talks about where he's going to grow up and this prophecy talks about you know how he's going to live and this prophecy talks about how he's going to die this prophecy talks about him being raised from the dead they're just kind of scattered all over the place and so in that sense when you read through the old testament there's all this talk about a messiah that's coming but it's mysterious who is this person how will this happen all i got are these little pieces But when Jesus came, when Jesus showed up, it's like all the pieces came together and they began to fit together in such a way that his face becomes apparent that Jesus Christ actually is the Messiah. What was mysterious in the Old Testament has now become clear in Christ, right? So that's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, if you're a spiritual parent, you're a steward of what? You're responsible for what? Uh, You're responsible for the mysteries of God. 
That means you're responsible for the gospel. You're responsible for what you know about Jesus to impart that to those that you're parenting or influencing spiritually. So let's take this to a church context. Uh, a pastor is first and foremost responsible to preach the gospel. Uh, if you don't have a pastor to preach the gospel, out he goes, bring in another one that knows the gospel, all right? Uh, because that's his first primary purpose is to be clear on the gospel. If you're shepherding, if you're a part of a connect group, you're shepherding a connect group, you must be clear on the gospel. You need to know where your people are with regard to the gospel. Have they given their life to Christ? Are you overseeing them in a way that you know where they stand spiritually? Are there some that still haven't crossed the faith line? That's your primary responsibility. You're a steward of the gospel. The same thing is true in your own home. The first and foremost thing that you need to talk about in your own home is the gospel, right? That do your kids know the gospel? How are you talking about the gospel? Are you talking about the centrality of Jesus and following Jesus and knowing Jesus and how to glorify God with your one life? Are you speaking that into them? And I'm not just talking about speaking it to, into them when they're five and when they're seven and then when they're 10. That's important. But even as they become adults, that you're still talking about the gospel. You're still shepherding them regarding the gospel and how we live our one life to glorify God by getting the gospel out. That's what spiritual parenting is. We are, we are accountable. Not only are we called to serve them and in, in, in so doing serve Christ, but we're also got to steward this thing God's put in our hands, which has been a mystery, now is clear, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must, hey, if you're a grandparent, guess what? You get to do with your grandkids. Steward the gospel. Talk about Jesus. Talk about who he is and how he's changed your life and what his calling on their life. We've got to be stewards of the gospel. Number three, uh, jot this down. A spiritual parent is accountable to God. Is accountable to God. Look at verse three. He said, it is of little importance to me that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself. For I'm not conscious of anything against myself, but I'm not justified by this. It is the Lord who judges me. So don't judge anything prematurely before the Lord comes who will both bring to light what is hidden in the darkness and reveal the intentions of hearts. And then praise will come to each one from God. He talks here about three courts, right? And the first court is a court of uh, public opinion. What other people think about me. There are a lot of people that are very concerned about that these days, what other people think about them, right? They're very concerned about how many likes they got on their last post of the dinner that they had last night, you know? Like, really? Does anybody care about that? I, apparently, some people do. Uh, but they're like, man, I just I don't want people to like me. I want people to like what I post. I want to get it out there. I want people to see me and hear me and like me. And, and they're very, very concerned about the public opinion about them. And the Apostle Paul, I just love what he has to say about that. He says, you know, look at it. He says, the, this, what you think about me is of little importance, of little importance. I was reading an article this week about this, and they said that many of us know what FOMO is. You know what FOMO is? The fear of missing out. This article went on to say, we don't have FOMO, we have FOPO, which is the fear of people's opinion. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and I thought that's really true. You know, we were just so afraid that people are going to think weird of us or think negatively of us. And so we will somehow uh, curb our words or our language or our convictions. Listen, sometimes as a parent, you just got to, uh, you can't be afraid of what your kids think about you, right? At some point, you're going to like, I'm dad uh, and I'm not your best friend right now. And I'm going to tell you the truth. That's part of spiritual parenting, is not being afraid of that. Uh, same thing is true even in the church house, in God's house. I have, to, I have many times I have to say things and make decisions people don't like. And that's just part of, part of that role. I, I tell you what, I remember one time when, uh, when I, was, I was in college, I felt like God was calling me to ministry. And so I had to go before the deacons and share my call to ministry. I was terrified. Never been before deacons before. All right, and so we get in this room about 20 older men and I shared my story about how God called me to ministry. And then they started asking me all these questions which I didn't really know a whole lot. And then finally a gentleman named Claude Bird who was a, a deacon in the room stood up in the back of the room. He said, gentlemen, I move that we approve this young man before he changes his mind. <laughs> and they said, yeah, yeah. So they approved me. And then they, then they had to stand out in the hallway and they each filed through and shaking our hands. Liz was with me, shaking our hands. We're so excited for you. God's gonna use you in a great way. And, uh, and then this one uh, deacon, he was probably about five foot four maybe. He, uh, he shook my hand and he said, I'm praying that God will give you alligator skin. And I looked at him like, what in the world? Does that mean, hey, I know what that means now. You know what he means? Yeah, because it's hard, man. When you're a spiritual parent, there are going to be people that are going to criticize and people that are not going to like and push back. And you can't be afraid. You can't have FOPO, right? Fear of people's opinion. You have to give them truth. The second uh court he mentions here is his, the court of his own opinion. He's like, I don't even know. I don't even think I've got anything against me, but I don't know. That doesn't justify me. I could be totally wrong. He said, what I'm really concerned about is not what you think. And I'm not really concerned about even what I think. What I'm really concerned about is what God thinks. The highest court is not the Supreme Court. You know, we like to think of the Supreme Court as the highest court in the land. It is the Supreme Court, but it is really not the Supreme Court, is it? Because there is a court greater than our Supreme Court, and that is God's court. And ultimately, you and I are going to stand before God and give an account of our life. Jot this in the margin of your Bible, 2 Corinthians 5.10. 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be repaid for what he has done in the body, both good and bad. This is not a judgment of, of heaven or hell. This is a judgment of what did you do with what I gave you? How did you live your life? What did you do with the resources I gave you? What did you do with the time I gave you? What did you do with the life that I gave you? Did you invest it in eternal things or did you waste it on yourself? And every one of us are gonna be evaluated by God. So listen, we, we don't need to worry about faux po, the fear of people's opinion. What we really need is faux go, right? The fear of God's opinion. And what does God think about you? What does God say about you? Are you worried about the applause of men or the applause of heaven? Are you worried about pleasing men or pleasing God? 
At the end of the day, our life is so short, right? And as a spiritual parent, you have to be able to speak truth in love, whether it's to your own kids or grandkids or whether it's to others. That's the role of a spiritual parent. I realize I'm here to serve God by serving you. I do the invisible hard work with no applause from anyone. I realize I am a steward of this book and steward of the gospel. And my first goal is to get the gospel out. And I realize I'm accountable to God, not to you. I'm accountable to God for what I do. And so I do so with fear and trembling. Here's a fourth thing. A spiritual parent reproduces themselves. Look at verse six. He said, now, brothers and sisters, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit so that you may learn from us. Now, stop right there. He's like, listen, I'm, I'm having this whole conversation about spiritual parenting because I want you to learn from us. I want you to follow our example. I want you, if we're being a spiritual parent and we're descending in leadership and we're doing the hard things without applause and we recognize that our accountability is to God and we're stewarding the gospel, listen, that's the kind of leader you should be. I'm modeling for you what you should be doing. That's what Paul is basically saying. Now listen, when you are trying to reproduce yourself in others, that's called disciple making. Do you get that? Uh, when you're in spiritually investing your life in others so that they can follow Jesus, no one follow Jesus, that's called making disciples that make disciples. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul was doing. That's what spiritual parenting actually is. You know, it's cool when you see somebody that looks just like their parent. All right, you like, like this picture? Yeah, that's kind of cool. You see a kid that looks just like their mom or just like their dad. I remember uh, hearing a guy say one, uh, somebody say about a, a father, he said, man, his son is, is him spit out. All right, that's West Texas for saying he's just like his daddy. And it's kind of cool when they kind of walk the same or they kind of have the same quirks or the same uh, mannerisms. But listen, more importantly than that is do they have the same faith? Are they walking spiritually in the same direction? Are they walking in the same way? Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4, 16, therefore I urge you to imitate me. I mean, what a bold statement, right? Do you go around telling people that? Just do what I do. Just do exactly what I do and you'll be just fine. You know, that's kind of like, whoa, I don't know that I would want to say that. But that's exactly what Paul's saying. Listen, just imitate me. The word imitate means to mimic, where we get the word mimic from. Just mimic what I do, how I handle conflict, how I love, how I serve, how I pray, how I serve God, how I'm in the word. Just do what I do. Disciple making isn't uh, a parent saying, don't do as I do, do as I say. No, no, no. It's always do as I do. Follow me, Jesus said. Follow me. Follow. That means follow in my steps. Mimic my behavior. And the same thing is said about the Apostle Paul a little bit later in 1 Corinthians 11, 1. He says, uh, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So here's the deal. Man, if I'm a spiritual parent, I should be walking in front of these people that I'm investing in spiritually in such a way that they can mimic my life. And in so doing, mimic Jesus. Look more and more like Jesus. So let's take it to the church house first. If you're involved in ministry, is there anybody you're trying to disciple in such a way that you can say, hey, just follow my example as we follow the example of Jesus. And I'm pouring my life into you to get you to look more and more like Christ. Is there anybody praying the way you pray? Anybody serving the way you serve? Anybody memorizing scripture the way you memorize scripture? Anybody sharing the gospel the way you're sharing the gospel? Because you've, you've trained them to do it. 
Now let's go to your house. Is that happening in your house? Hey, we, we teach our kids to throw a great pass, a good spiral. We can teach our kids to hit a golf ball. We can teach our kids to be financially responsible. We teach our kids to do good in, in, in their grades. But are we teaching them the fundamentals of the faith? To walk with Jesus. And we're just saying, follow my example. Watch how I live my life. The greatest way that you make a disciple is not necessarily with your words. It's with your behavior. That they can see your words and your behavior match. That's how you leave a lasting legacy. Doesn't mean you're perfect. None of us are perfect, right? Even the Apostle Paul said, I'm not perfect. I haven't taken, I haven't gone to the heights yet, right? But I'm still chasing after Jesus. And by the way, that happens even while your kids are, are older. You're still pursuing Jesus. You're still chasing after Jesus. And you're still speaking that and challenging them to do the same. Here's this last thing. A spiritual parent sacrifices for what matters most. A spiritual parent sacrifices for what matters most. You understand, there's, as a spiritual parent, I'm going to be serving even the invisible things without any applause other than the applause of God. As a spiritual parent, I'm going to be a good steward of this book and the Bible that he's given me and the gospel. As a spiritual parent, I realize I'm, I'm accountable to God for my life. And I'm not worried about public opinion. I'm, I'm cared about God's opinion. As a spiritual parent, I'm going to invest in my life and another person so that they begin to follow my example and the example of Jesus. Not just learning Bible facts, but really getting it into their life. And then now this, uh, Paul realizes that all this, if you do all this, it's going to require some sacrifice on your part. It's going to require some sacrifice. Look at verse 11. Run your finger down to verse 11. Up to this present hour, we are both hungry and thirsty. We are poorly clothed, roughly treated, homeless. We labor working with our own hands. When we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we respond graciously. Even now, we are like the scum of the earth, like everyone's garbage. What is he saying here? Well, the verses prior to that, he's really chastising these would-be leaders in the church. You guys want the pedestal? You want the platform? You want to be behind the mic? You want to be on the big screen? You want to, you want to be known? I mean, you, think, you think ministry is all about just kind of celebrity and being known? You don't have a clue what it's about. If you're really doing ministry right, if you're really serving and, and getting the gospel out and accountable to God and investing your life, that's what ministry is. That's it. And if you've really got your, your sleeves rolled up and you're doing this work, it's going to cost you your time, your effort. Sometimes people you pour your life into will disappoint you and turn against you and hurt you and say things about you. It's going to happen. But don't be discouraged. It's worth it. Same thing in your home, right? You're, you're going to pour your heart and life into your kids. And your kids may not choose to walk with God. They may break your heart. But you stay at it. And God's going to take what you've invested in them and God's going to bring it around. God's going to take what you've It's not wasted time. It's not wasted time. Yuna Sandu, uh, here's a picture of Yunus here. He's, he's, um, he grew up in Pakistan and um, has three sons. And Yunus was a follower of Jesus in Pakistan. 
which is a hard place to be when you love Jesus. And uh, he was a businessman there. He realized that keeping his family in Pakistan would be very difficult for them to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And so uh, he decided to make a very sacrificial decision. He decided to leave that country and move to the United States. I mean, he had a great business. He had multiple government contracts. He had a great house. He had family there. He had a career there. He had a, a life there. And now he was going to leave all of that behind, scratch it, no, no money brought with him, no retirement, is, all that's gone. All that he had worked so hard for was now going to be zeroed out. And he started back in Houston, Texas area, working in the oil field with his hands. Having to learn the language, learn the culture, started from the bottom up, sacrificing, scrounging to make a living for his family. But through that sacrifice, his family got to live in a place where he was free to worship Jesus. They got to go to a Christian church. They got to hear the gospel preached on Sunday. And his sons came to faith in Jesus Christ. Sons grew up and got ed educations and, and married uh, godly women and had families of their own. In fact, if you put that picture back up there, uh, the the boy under his left arm on your right. That's Johnny. Johnny's a member of our church here. In fact, he's a member of our leadership council and he's raising his family here. And he's getting to have spiritual influence in our church because he had a dad that was willing to sacrifice. And I think if you asked his daddy, was it worth it? All the sacrifice, all the loss, all the hard work and effort, I think he would say absolutely it was worth it. Don't you? Listen, if you ask the Apostle Paul, was it worth it? All you went through on behalf of the churches, all the sacrifice, all the hardship, all the difficulty, all the conflict you had to wade through, all the, all the attacks from people, was it worth it, Paul? He would say, absolutely, it's worth it. Listen, as you step up to be a spiritual parent in this church, it's worth it. As you evaluate your life, at the end of your life, how you poured your heart and life into your children, it's worth it. You know, I was talking with a guy in his 20s a couple of weeks ago, and he said, you know, he said, when we're in our 20s, we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I know, because I was 20 and I didn't know what I was doing either, right? But man, we're, we're, we're getting, we're graduating, we're getting careers, we're getting married, we're getting, but well, we don't know what we're doing. And he said, how we need spiritual moms and dads that will just show us what to do. How do we balance career and family? How do we walk with God in temptation? How do we raise children? We don't know. We need spiritual parents. Listen, this generation desperately needs spiritual parents. And you know what I look at when I look at you? I see a whole bunch of spiritual parents out there. The question is, will you be a spiritual parent? I want you to bow your heads with me for just a minute. Maybe you're here this morning, and as I've been talking about spiritual parents, you can think about people in your life that have been spiritual parents to you. You remember maybe those Sunday school teachers or those pastors or those businessmen or women that have come alongside you or those people that you, as you grew up, came along around you, put their arms around you and prayed for you and encouraged you to walk with God.
Do you remember them? Those spiritual parents in your life? If you do, why don't you just take a moment right now and thank God for them. God, thank you for these people in my life that invested in me, poured their life into me. Now, let me ask you another question. Are you willing to be a spiritual parent? Are you willing to invest your life in others? Are you willing to to steward the gospel and pour your life in and train them how to walk with God, disciple them and invest in them, even if it costs you? Because that's what makes life worth it. That's what makes life worth it. Lord, I thank you for your word today. Thank you for the challenge that we get from the Apostle Paul on being a spiritual parent. Lord, I thank you for my own parents that taught me the gospel as a young boy and continue to speak into my life. And thank you for the men that you brought into my life over the years that have continued to invest in me as spiritual parents. And God, I thank you. And Lord, I pray that you would help me to be that for others. Lord, I pray that our church would be a place where people new in the faith can find spiritual moms and dads to love on them and encourage them and help them. That we would continually raise up the next generation to know and follow you. Not only within our homes, but within our church family. And Lord, I pray for those that are here today that maybe are not being spiritual parents to anyone at the current time. God, I pray you would bring people to mind that you want them to invest in. Lord, because we know at the end of the day, it'll be worth it. Lord, speak to our hearts, God, as we go into this week. Fill us with your spirit so that we can walk with you and please you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said...